Yes, sir. Right, if you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. The last couple of Sundays I've been kind of uh, looking at Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14. And then that verse it says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. This is a wonderful verse. We often use it to talk about revival. But it's so much more than that. Solomon has completed building the temple. He's dedicated the temple to the Lord. And here God tells us exactly what he expects from his people. That we humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. Last Sunday we looked at prayer. Today we'll look at our need to turn from our wicked ways. Sin is a real problem. For the lost, it separates them from God. And for God's people, it separates us from his will. And sin is a personal problem that we all face. Sin has no hold on those who believe in Christ, but while we're in this flesh, we struggle with sin. In Second Chronicles 7, 14, we see that God is telling his people to turn from their wicked ways. It means that God's people can fall into sin just like everyone else can. Sin is something we need to guard against. This is one of the reasons why he starts out with, uh, we must humble ourselves. Because if we're prideful, we see the sin in other people. But if we're humble, we see our sins. And we must be aware of how sin can creep into our lives. And we must be aware of sin. James uses the word tempted here. And it means to be attracted to or be drawn to sin. So let's read James chapter 1, starting with verse 13. It says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath um, conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Let every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variable, variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will beget he us with a word of truth, and we should be the kind of first fruits of his creatures. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Father, for this time. Father, we thank you for giving us a place to come and worship, giving us a country where we can come and worship in, in freedom. And Father, we ask now, Lord, that you just uh, be with us while we talk about sin. And we realize, Father, all that you give us. Father, we ask now, Lord, that while you're here in our midst, that you touch our hearts. Your word is supposed to open us up, Father, to reveal what's inside. Because if we're to truly be your people, we need to humble ourselves and we need to pray and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways. Father, that's all we want to do is to serve you. Father, help us now. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We must be aware of sin uh, because it is a trap. Sin pulls us out of the will of God. It hurts our testimony. It damages those around us. And in our text, James, James helps us to be aware of sin. Because there's things we need to understand about sin. If we're going to guard against it, if we're going to turn from our wicked ways. First of all, James lets us know that we don't try to excuse our sin. Look at verse 13 again. Verse 13 says, Let no man say he is tempted. I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted of evil with evil, neither tempteth he any man. This cautions us against excusing our sin. God doesn't want us to make excuses. We can be real good at justifying our sins. We do that a lot. We make excuses on why we behave the way we do or why we say the things we do or why we do the things that we do. We're good about blaming others or the situation that we're in. I remember so many times I, I, I'd be talking to mom and dad and I'd say, well, so-and-so took me here or so-and-so said it would be okay. And, and they'd say, I don't care about so-and-so. I care about what you did, and you had a choice, and you made your choice, and now you'll deal with it. And he was right. Always ready to blame someone else. It happened on the very first sin committed by Adam and Eve. They disobeyed God, and they hid because they knew they were naked. And in Genesis chapter 3, starting with verse 11, the Bible says, And he said, who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee not thou should not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou givest to me to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. See? It happens at the very beginning. Adam didn't take responsibility for this, and he blamed Eve. But not only did he blame Eve, he blamed God. He says, that woman you gave to be with me, is she gave it to me, and I eat. Eve had the right idea. She blamed the devil. But it was still her choice. I'll tell you what, sometimes you, you, I used to hear this all the time, the devil made me do it. I think it was a popular saying, maybe in the 70s or 80s. Everybody said, the devil made me do it, the devil made me do it. Well, it's true that Satan and his demons will, will tempt us in many ways. He'll oppress us uh, emotionally and mentally. He accuses us. He lies. But Satan's influences to sin are all around us. But we belong to God. He has no power over us, yet we still sin. Why is that? Because of the flesh that we live in. We're still bound in this flesh. As long as we are, sin is going to be a real problem. But Satan has no power over us. Jesus took that away. So all of our sins that we commit is on us. We have no excuse. Jesus won the victory. And when we sin, we are uh, satisfying the flesh, not the spirit. And we can't justify sin because we have been justified by Jesus Christ. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, it says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, 
But by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law, but the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. God didn't save us so we can continue on sinning. God saved us so we could have a way to deal with the sin in our life, to confess it to him, to repent, which means turning away from our sin. He did it so that we can't, we can't say, well, the flesh made me do it, or Satan made me do it. He said, no, Christ gave you a way out. He forgave you of your sin. He washed you clean, and anything you soil now is on you. But you can come to me and confess, and I'll forgive you. The flesh may desire to sin, but the believer must desire to serve God. So don't ever try to excuse your sin. Second thing James tells us here is he lets us know that we need to examine our sin. And he explains how sin works in verses 14 and 15. He said, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away uh, of his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Sin is universal. It's everywhere. Every person is tempted. And everyone has, has given in to temptation at one time or another. Because Romans 3.10 says, For it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. And we must see sin as a problem for all people. And this is why we keep our eyes on God. Because he is perfect. The world is full of sin, but God is perfect. But in these verses here, he tells us some things we need to watch out for. First of all, Sin is seductive. We can be drawn away by our own desires. It can start off small, but sin will always take you farther than you want to go, farther than you can even imagine. Sin will lead you to dark places, and this is why it's so important to stay in the Word of God, to to focus your life on the Bible, to stay in this, because what Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Because no matter how dark this world gets, you have a spotlight here that points out every sin. And this word, every time you open it and you read it and you invite it into your heart and you you let it reveal what's inside of you, it's like a spotlight. And sin will scatter like roaches. And you all of a sudden will see what sin is and where it's at. And you'll be aware of what's around you. You'll open your eyes to the danger of sin. Too many couples have been destroyed because one of them had a conversation with somebody online or at their job. And it started out simple enough. And then someone uh, um, or, uh, complimented someone. Next thing you know, sin leads to an affair, which leads to the death of a marriage, to the destruction of a family. You must be aware of sin because it's very seductive. But sin is also instinctive. We're not, we're, we are drawn away by our own lust and desire. The real problem with our sin is not what's on the outside. It's not this outside world. It's what's on the inside. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. 
We're sinners by nature. It's who we are. Psalms uh, 51.5 says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. We're born in sin. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, For there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Everyone but Jesus is born in sin. And we don't have to teach our children to be selfish. We don't have to teach our children to behave. They get that honestly. My parents didn't have to teach me how to lie. Oh, I figured that out real quick. I told mom and dad whoppers. And every time they believed it, my, my lies just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Until one day, I put myself in a position where I couldn't get back home, and they came looking for me, and it all kind of blew up. But they didn't teach me how to lie. Got it naturally. We are sinners by nature, and there's nothing we can do about it on our own. That's why we need a Savior. And if you're here today, and you've never asked Christ as your Savior, you have a problem, a sin problem, that you can't handle, that you can't fix, and you can't deal with. My sin problem is handled and fixed. Why? Because I invite Jesus into my heart to be my Savior, and he saved me. And the only way that you can come uh, to, to get rid of this sin problem, to stand before God one day and be welcome into his home, is to have Jesus in your heart. Because he fixes the sin problem. We can't. Because we're sinners by nature, sinners by birth, and we're sinners by choice. You need Jesus to save you. Sin is also deceptive. James says that we're enticed. It's like a uh, fish. It's like you're, you're throwing out a lure and you're jiggling it, trying to get that fish's attention. And he'll look at it and he'll think, he'll think it's food and he'll bite it and you don't realize there's a hook in it and it's over. Every time my kids go online, Satan's fishing for them. He's throwing out images that they see. He's throwing out things that people say. He has his demons out there working to try to entice them to reach out. They don't even realize there's a hook in it. And that hook's going to pull them just as far away from God as they can get them. We need to be careful. Because sin is enticing them. It's deceptive. And sin is also destructive. We desire, our desire gives birth to sin. It says in verse 15, and sin gives birth to death. Eternal death for the lost, death of a testimony for the Christian, or death of a family, or death of a relationship. Sin causes death to hope and dreams and joy and love and peace and relationships. Sin will pull all that away from you. All the stuff that God has given you, Christians, all the things that Jesus has done for you on the cross to, to take your sins and die for them, and he's given you peace with God, and we destroy that fellowship we have with him by letting sin creep back into our lives. There's a reason why he says confess and repent. Because you need to turn away from sin. But to do that, you have to turn back to God. And for all these reasons and more, God wants us to examine sin in our life. Third, 
James also tells us that it helps to be aware of sin when we praise the goodness of God. Look at verses 16 and 17. It says, Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down uh, from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. It's a wonderful verse right there. Verse 17 is wonderful. Turn from your wicked ways and turn back to God. And James tells us uh, to not make the mistake, don't be deceived, don't stray or wander away from this very important truth right here that every good gift that you have is from above. Every good gift that you get is from your Heavenly Father. And James gives us some wonderful truths here about God's giving. One, it is consistent. He says there's no variableness in it. God is good to us all the time, every time even when he doesn't give us what we want. Because sometimes what we want is not what we need. And God knows what we need because he knows our hearts. He made our hearts, and he knows what's in it, and he knows what we need. He is consistently giving us his very best. Why? Because he loves us. God's giving is complete. God doesn't leave anything out. His gifts are perfect. God has given us more gifts than we can ever list. Psalms 103, verses 1 through 5 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who draweth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who sacrificeth thy, thy mouth with good things, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. He gives us so much. He takes this old man here standing before you, and he makes me feel like a kid. Why? Because I go to my father, and he, he takes away my sins, and, and he fills my heart with joy, and he's given me a home to, to go to. He's given me a job to do, to work for him in his kingdom. And, and he, he showed me how much he cares for me and loves me. And we look around for sin to, to satisfy this flesh. And sin may temporarily satisfy the flesh, but God eternally satisfies, satisfies your soul. We avoid sin by living a life of thanksgiving to God. You're not looking out here to find something to bring you temporary satisfaction when you can sit down and say, Lord, thank you for all you've given me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for taking away my sins and filling me with his righteousness. Thank you for my heavenly home. Thank you. Praise God for being our everything. Finally, James says to help us be aware of sin, we must embrace the word of truth. Verse 18 says, Of his own will beget he us with the word of truth that we should be the kind of first fruits of his creatures. The most important thing we do, or we can do, is to trust the word of God. Trusting the word of truth gives us a new birth. And this is the most important thing about the word of God, that it has the power to save us. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. When Jesus was in the wilderness, being without food for 40 days, being tempted by Satan, and Satan tempted him to turn the stone into bread. Matthew 4.4 4 
Jesus had the answer. He, he said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He didn't need the food to survive. He needed the word of God. And we need God's word. We've been born again. 1 Peter 1.23 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. This is the new birth that James is talking about here. The word of truth tells us about our sin, but it also tells us about Jesus. For all sin comes short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but Jesus is the gift of life. Truth of the uh, truth of God's word tells us about the Savior. Jesus' death on the cross for our sins, his victory over death, and his resurrection. In Romans chapter 5, starting with verse 6, <clears throat> it says, For when we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some uh, would even dare to die. But God commanded his love towards us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And much more being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You know how I know that the word of God saves us? Because I was reading that passage along in my living room through tears, knowing I was dying and going to hell. And I read that and I asked Christ to save me, and he did. There's power in the Word of God. Every time my kids get online, I, I just wish they would open up the Bible. Because there's no hooks in here, there's no traps in here, there's nothing to entice them to sin in here. All there is is just peace and love. An understanding of who they are in, in, the, in the eyes of their Heavenly Father. When we receive the word of truth, we receive Jesus Christ. Because that's where God reveals and we receive. But the second thing is, trusting the word of truth means that we belong to God. James calls us the first fruits. The firstborn. They're always special. I know, because I'm the oldest child. First, first child, best child. That's, that's the way it goes. I don't know if you all know that or not. But it's, it's not in here, but uh, I read it someplace, and it must be true. Now, he says we're the first fruits. We're the firstborn of Jesus Christ, and we must have a desire to examine ourselves for sin, to truly serve God as his child. We must confess our sins and repent. 1 John 1, 8 and 9 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's a promise. God didn't say, I'm going to save you and you'll never sin again. God said, I'm going to save you. And when you do sin, not if, but when you do sin, confess your sins. And faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He knows us. Sometimes we sin and we hide and we think nobody knows. God knows. He knew you were going to do it before you even did it. But he's giving you a way to come back. 
prodigal son wanted all of his money. He wanted to leave his father's house. He wanted nothing to do with the family business. He wanted nothing to do with his father. He wanted to go out on his own, live his own life. The father gave him his money. He went and wasted it. He came back. The father didn't say, what would you do with all that money? How would you spend it? What did you do? What have you been into? Why do you smell like pigs? He didn't ask them that, did he? He wrapped his arms around him. He said, get the robe, get the ring, get the fatted calf ready. We're having a party. God saved you, not so he could lose you again, but he saved you because if you ever wander off, you can always go home. My son, August 1st, moved out, got his own apartment. BJ's living in Salem. He's working in Salem. He's at the church right now leading the music for, for um, Hollins, Road, uh, Hollins Road Church of the Brethren. And he'll leave there and he'll go back to his apartment and... Uh, I want him to know that no matter what happens, he can always come home. Because that's what, the heavenly, that's what a father does. I don't care what he does. I don't care what happens. I just want him to know he can come home. So God doesn't want you to, to say that sin is the end of it. God says, I want you to be aware of sin because I don't want you to make excuses for it. But I want you to examine the sin in your own heart. That's why I give you this word, because it also, this word is a two-edged sword. It lays us open so we can see what's inside. And we're to praise God, because he is good. And we're to embrace God's truth. Humble yourself. Pray. Seek his face. And turn from your wicked ways. Every head bow, every eye closed. Sin's a problem. Jesus came to, to take care of that sin problem. And he died for the sins of the world. The church, I think something's happened to Christians because sometimes we sin and we go on like it's nothing. And if anybody knows what it took to pay for the sins of this world, it's us. Because we have the word of truth. We don't look at that like it's some kind of fantasy or some kind of made-up book. We look at it because we know it's God's word. Without error, perfect. And we know that the sin was so bad that God had to send his only son down here to be born of a virgin so he wasn't born in sin. To live a perfect life and be that final sacrifice, that perfect sacrifice to go to the cross and die for the sins of the world. He left heaven's glory. Never felt pain, never felt suffering, never felt anything. But he came down here to suffer, bleed, and die for us. Why? Because he loves us. Sin's taking on new meaning to me because every time I sin or every time I do something wrong I think about what Jesus had to do to pay for that church we need to examine ourselves we need to turn from our wicked ways and turn back to God and if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your savior understand that there's nothing you can do about it for all of sin to come short of the glory of God that means you've fallen short of what God needs you to be that means without a Savior, someone to save you, you are bound for eternal damnation. But 
If you cry out to Jesus Christ, know that he is God's son that came and died for the sins of the world. He'll save you to the uttermost. He'll fill you with a hope that the world can't understand. You'll become a part of the family of God. So if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, come talk to me. Let me tell you more about him and how much he loves you. Christian, if you're here today and there's things in your heart that you need to deal with, now's the time. Don't stick them in a backpack and carry them around with you because they'll weigh you down. They'll affect the people in your life, your family, your friends. They'll affect your job. But if you come up here now at this altar and lay those sins here and leave them here with him, he'll forgive you. Leave them here. Turn away from them. Forsake the wickedness in your heart and receive the goodness that God wants you to have. Because he has work for you to do. But you can't do it if you run your testimony. This altar is open. If anyone wants to come and pray, I'll be happy to pray with you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for loving us. Father, we thank you that uh, your word is the only instruction we need. It gives us everything that we possibly need. Father, help us now realize that if we belong to you, we should be more concerned about pleasing you than pleasing flesh. And Lord, I, I pray now for all those people out there who have been enticed, who gave in to their own lust and their own desires, and don't realize what they're doing. And those who are lost, Father, who don't know that salvation is just a call away. Jesus is knocking on the heart and just inviting him in. And he's not a answer. He is the only answer. Lord, help them to see that today. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your precious word, Lord. Bless every heart here. For it's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together and say our closing hymn of praise. Bye.